Hello and welcome to another episode of Fourth Wall, the podcast. My name is Elena Newell and today we are talking with Michael Kilgore. Let me say that one more time. Michael Kilgore. What is life? What what is life, y'all? I am so excited. I feel grateful. I feel nervous. Um Michael Kilgore, y'all know who he is, okay? You've seen him on the screen. You've seen him on the stage. We're not going to sit here and act like you don't know who this man is. And so I'm not even going to I'm not even going to try to introduce him like y'all don't know, okay? The man needs no introduction. But before we do get into the episode, I just want to say that um this episode is really special to me. Because one, Michael is someone that has served as one of my Broadway performance singing inspirations. His musicality, his refusal to be anyone but himself is so infectious and inspiring. It just makes you want to strive to be your best self. And um, I am just so grateful and honored that he agreed to come sit and talk with a 21 year old who doesn't know what she's doing you know like it's so um this podcast has really changed my life in so many ways and it's taught me that I have authority over my own life and that's kind of what we talk about in this episode is taking authority over your own life and controlling your own narrative and refusing to fit into any box and making things fit to you instead of trying to fit in. Um, He uses a great analogy, which you guys will hear in just a second, um, about like he used to buy clothes off the rack and they would kind of fit, but now he wants things tailored, you know? He wants to get the, the outfit designed for him. He wants it to be specifically made for him. And I think that's something that every artist should strive for, to strive to not just fit a mold or to fit a box or to fit a role, but to make those roles fit them, you know, to bring their true authentic selves to everything and make everyone else adapt, to make that role adapt to you. And it was just such a great conversation and it was exactly what I needed in this time of my life. And I'm uber grateful for him and I cannot wait for you guys to hear it so here we go Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Fourth Wall, the podcast. Today, I am here with the man, the myth, the legend, Michael Kilgore. Hello. Hello, the man, the myth, the legend. Okay. Okay. Yeah, if you just want to... It, just, okay, it cool, feels cool, cool. very heavy on my shoulders, but I... Then I'll take it off. No, you no, know no, no, what? No. We're just if, here if with just a man, is. a man born black, if you will. Uh, I'm absolutely that. I'm absolutely a man born black. <laughs> Um, but thank you so much. What a wonderful way to um, start this podcast with my head just like flying in the clouds now. 
like I'm so high and lifted up now. <laughs> nice. Thank to God. See you. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Michael. Okay. Before we start, I do have to tell you this. Um, my college last year, we did an all black songs for a new world. And the literal, like the impetus of creating that was like listening to you on the encores album. Oh my gosh. And we were like, you. oh, so there is a space for all black voices to like create this. And we we're like, oh no, there's, there's a way that we can create this as our full selves There's and like make it a production. I, I mean, I think that's one thing that I've always loved about the recording. The first recording is I was like, okay, so even though there's like problematic lyrical things going on, you know, it's a young white man's imagination of what like he would write for a black person. Mm -hmm. um, I always listen to it going, okay, this just proves that there is a space and right. as time goes on i want the space to get bigger i want us to like color it in so that it doesn't mm. feel like this weird outline sketch of what blackness is um yes and uh and i felt like it was my responsibility to if we were going to do this again for it to be an utterly black experience yes for um, I didn't want there to be any doubt in their mind mm. so so that was great it was it was cool working with with um jason because even he was like in the rehearsal process going now i'm making faces and they're not at you all i'm making faces at my writing <laughs> and i was like oh okay. oh so you know it's period. like there's a lot of growth that happens like he wrote this in the early 90s you know yeah so you know the whole universe has changed and um and i, I i'm really interested to see what the world of theater is going to do about that when we come back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's so great. So like, did you guys have like the space to talk to him? I mean, he wrote the show so long ago, I guess not to, in terms of like how to change it, but like, were you able to have those discussions with oh, him? Oh, he was how super it... hands-on, super hands-on. And um, he was really invested in the, in making sure that it resonated in, in now. Um, and mm -hmm. I think that's the only reason to revive something is to go, okay, what is it about now? Um, right. So we had lots of talks about it, lots of discussions about it. He and our director, Kate Risky, um, she was incredible. Our choreographer, Rennie Harris. Um, there was so, I mean, there were so many people who were not, you know, a cis white man who yeah. were, you know, in the room kind of going, let's explore this in a different way. So um, yeah, it's, yeah, I'm fully, I'm fully spoiled. That that moment spoiled me so so much because now i'm going well you can create really great art this way with different voices so i don't want to be in that room anymore where it's just like all right it's a it's a white gay man show like mm, they're all sitting yeah. and judging and they think they know what black women are because they idolize them but they still don't somehow see them and respect them they you know, they like only value black male bodies if it's like sexualized, you know, so Say I'm that. making a very broad stroke, but you know, that kind of room I think is, is, is done. Um, you know, we've spent so much time outside of work that it's not that sort of, oh, I'm just so hungry to get back. I'll do anything. Now it's like, you know what? It feels good to say, this is what I will do. And this is what I won't do. So right. I think there's going to be a lot more people willing to say no to foolishness mm -hmm. than there ever has been yes so i i hope that that is i hope that becomes the new industry standard that that actors understand that you know you can start a podcast you can start a an, a youtube channel an instagram show uh write your own thing instead of 
waiting for somebody yeah. who never really intended to see all of you to try to see you. Mm. And that it's that part right there. Let's we we're about to get into all of that, but let's jump backwards a little bit. How did you first like land into singing into performing and like when was the first time when you sat down and you were like, "Okay, this is what I want for a career. Like this is what I want my life to be." I always sang um growing up I'm a pastor's kid, so I always sang in church and you know that was the rule. I didn't think of it as something special until I was in middle school. And I would sing at lunch. People would ask me to learn songs, to sing to them at lunch. Oh, wow. Just, you know, this is a time before cell phones. This is a time before, yeah. you know, like we, I mean, I'm not that old, but I'm old enough that like the world is way different now. Um, mm -hmm. So that's how, you know, people were um, getting to know me as like a singer. And they, they were like, oh, that made you special and interesting. So I did that and I was gonna be a teacher. I went to college at Florida State University to be a music education major. And mm. there was a musical, Crazy For You, and they needed a high voice to sing Mingo. And they were like, we don't know anybody whose voice is that high. And someone was like, Michael Kilgore in the music department. So <laughs> I did that musical and I was like, oh, this feels right. <laughs> so so that's, that's what started me on the journey to to musical theater yeah oh wow when you were growing up can you like were there any um any people in the industry that you felt seen by that like you used as inspiration or motivation billy porter period <laughs> um that i remember part. being a kid and seeing him on leno do um beauty school dropout and i was just like who is that i don't want to be like him i want to be him you know, and mm. that was like just on my mind the whole time. Like, I gotta, I gotta do that. So, you know, getting to know him and having him as my mentor and just, it, it, it still feels surreal. I've, every once in a while he'll call and his name gets, shows up on my phone and I'm like pinching myself. This is really happening. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. We stand Billy Porter in this home. We okay. stand him and anything else is not allowed. Then that's the that on that. Um, so when you first got like into the industry, like I'm sure as you were discovering who you wanted to be, there was thousands of other people telling you who you should be. Um, how did you navigate that? Especially like in the beginning when you don't want to ruffle any feathers, you just want to work. Like, how did you navigate being stereotyped and boxed in? Um, my story is interesting because I didn't move to New York until I was uh, 27, 28. So my, like those years when you're so just hungry and craving work, I was literally doing cruise ships and theme parks and, mm. you know, that sort of stuff. Um, and at that time, I was really just a, I called myself a jukebox. You know, I was just singing songs and doing what they want me to do and standing where they want me to stand. And I was learning how to be a performer and learning what mm. it was that I did uniquely and specially. Um, and then when I got to New York, um, I, I was I was just old enough to to have an opinion, um, mm. and and that probably did ruffle some feathers because to them I was just a new face. But yeah, I was becoming Michael Kilgore in the dark, you know. And by the time the light hit me, I. I felt like I knew 
who Michael Kilgore was in a way. I mean, I know myself much better now than I did when I first came to New York. Um, but even doing um, Hair, which was my first show, mm-hmm. um, I felt really secure in that process about, you know, what I, what I wanted to present um, and what I, the story I wanted to tell. And like, you know, it's a controversial topic. Like Diane Paulus is very, you know, controversial right now. Um, but in that process, even if this is like maybe not the best way or the right way, it was the way that I was allowed to, to, um, to create. And she was just like, you know, just write up this. We basically did a presentation and I presented my character as I wanted the character to be. And it was like, all right, great. <laughs> so, I mean, right. I got to, you know, I mean, I got to just, I mean, that's the the joy of being in the ensemble too, you know, like mm-hmm. I didn't have any lines. So everything mm. I created, I got to, you know, physically create and just, and, and make. For yourself, yeah. Right. But, but, um, but even to that, like not having lines, I spent most of my career without lines, <laughs> you know, just come out and sing the song and do this and do that. So um, I guess the longer version, the longer version of, of the answer, even though I feel like I've just talked for 45 minutes <laughs> is, um, is by the time I realized that I was just singing songs on the Broadway stage, instead of like being an actor, I was like, well, I need to reprioritize within myself what I want seen because mm. I prioritize singing so high that it wasn't a shock that other people were only seeing the singing. And I was like, well, Mm. I got to prioritize something else so that when they come to see me, it's not just, let me get the high note. Let me get the riff. Right. So, I mean, that, that's been a a process. It's been, it's been quite a process. I mean, you make up your mind and then everyone has to like, has to, you know, catch up to you. So that's what the process has been people catching up. But I think that everyone's caught up now. Yes. Okay. If you don't know now, you know. Okay. Um, so when it comes to being in these spaces and if you, have you ever dealt with a conflict that was, uh, that you felt was based on your race or something that you can't control in a theater setting? And if so, how do you navigate that in a way that protects your spirit, but also like doesn't come off I mean I guess it doesn't matter if you come off as like bold or brash or anything like that but have you ever had a situation where you had to stand up for yourself in a theatrical setting specifically oh yeah I've had to do it a few times I mean there are really great examples like um I'll use this in songs for a new world it wasn't like I had to stand up for myself but in that room I was like I don't know how I feel can we talk and there are certain directors and people who are so open to that and that process was for anybody who doesn't know encores you put this show up in minutes you know it's just it happens so quick that um that really it was almost rude of me to go can we talk because we just didn't have time like we just had to learn and Mm. stage but Kate was like I'm open and I want this to be right and and she was really available to that I, I find that um you know, this may, I don't know if this is a pro tip or a major key, but, <laughs> but the more insecure your team is, the less you're able to play. Um, mm. Like if you have a team that's really secure in their, in their skills, they right. will allow you to, to create because they don't feel like your, your own level of skill and craft 
is going to overshadow theirs. You know, and I, and I think that like pride is like a big, it's a big um, barrier in those, in those rooms. And it sometimes shows its face racially because it's mm. like, who's this little brown boy coming in here thinking he knows? And it's like, well, this little brown boy is a grown ass man first. Mm. Um, and he doesn't think he know, he, he knows things. Right. Um, and there are some things that none of us know. So we might as well get it figured out together. Let's do that right. together. Um, right. So that's a really great example. But then I did a, a children's show years ago and the, and the um, composer music director was like, you know, just blacken it up. Like really put some, some like stank on it. Like, like sing black. And I said, I'm not going to coon for you in the room. And the whole room was like, ah, and I was like, we all know this is what he's trying to get me to do. Mm-hmm. So why are we shocked that I put a name on it? And, mm. you know, it was, that was a very, I mean, and apologies were made and like, you know, people were like, you know, he's just a jerk and he's done this before. And, and I'm like, so the culture is this like white man can say and do what he wants and, every, and everything's fine. Right. And like, and in that moment I get to be the villain. Great that feels wonderful for me, the actor right? who has to do this eight times a week or how, because we did it more than eight times a week because it was children's theater. But, um, but like, you know, that, those are the kind of things I think about. And then there are other things that are just so much more subtle, um, right. you know, being in spaces where it's not like an overt, like it's like black versus white or whatever, but it's a sort of like, how come when I raise my, my, hand or raise my voice to like say mm-hmm. something it's anger or it's aggression or it's you know you know being i hate, hate to say this but like disobedient or whatever but like mm-hmm. my white castmates do it and it's like they're brilliant and they're genius and they're so committed and they're so passionate about the work yeah and i'm like how come i can't how come i can't have those those words used to describe my energy in the room right and we both bring the same energy um i was doing a show out of out of the city and i'm rambling so i apologize no i love it i love it i did a show out of the city and um and something happened in the in the room where our director got really frustrated and he like started talking loud and then one of the other actors talked was talking loud and they like kind of went toe to toe for a moment it was just a you know sometimes it just gets tense Mm -hmm. um and i kind of smiled to myself because I was like oh thank you lord because I'm glad it wasn't me because then it would be like look at the because I was the black guy you know in the cast right I was like thank god it wasn't me because then it would be a big thing and I think another day passed or two days passed and um we were talking about something and, and someone was like well I think the director's just scared of you and I was like why would he be scared of me and then some and then one of the castmates goes well you know you just you could be like combative and and I said and I stopped and I took a breath because I was so I was triggered but then I was like let me actually get to the truth of this and I said mm. what about me is combative they're like well you know like when you know when he gives you direction and stuff like you ask a lot of questions and you just not and I go has there ever been a time where I didn't do what he's directed and they're like well no this never happened and I go it's interesting that you say that I, that he's scared of me and not you. And you yelled at him and I never have. And like the room got quiet. He was like, 
oh, I mean, it was like the light bulb went off and I was like, it's mm-hmm. just interesting that it's easy to make me combative and for you to not own that, like, you get to go into the room and do and and show out in a way that I've never even gotten the opportunity to. You know, I, I kind of have to smile and say yes. Be- mm-hmm. You know, because if I don't, then all of a sudden I'm a bad I'm a bad boy in the room. I'm an angry black man. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I just don't want to be that trope. Um, so, so I think a lot of people are getting getting hip to their own little personal biases. Um, right. And you know, so so to answer your question, yes, <laughs> I've had those those moments. But I but I think that you actually even in asking it caught yourself because. I don't have to play myself small. I don't have to, to be soft and sweet to make it all right. Like, I think, I think the world has to catch up to us. Like we're, Mm -hmm. you know, we're fully, you know, able, capable, um, present artists. And when the artist is in the room and opinions in the room, so you're going to have to be okay with the fact that it may be a woman who has an opinion or a queer person or a person of color or a person who's differently abled or has a different faith than you, you know, who has an opinion that will challenge what you do, but it challenges it in the way that makes it either more accessible, well, always more accessible and better. It flushes it out. Mm. You know, I just, to be myopic in this art form is probably the worst thing you can do. Like it's, you know, and to be so, so tunnel visioned on, on things. Mm-hmm. And then I have those different, those different um, seasonings to come in there. Like I want everything to be, mm-hmm. I want flavor in the room. You know what I mean? Yes. Like salt and pepper works sometimes, but you know, I got to have a little bit of oregano, some cumin, come some on. paprika, you know, I don't even know what paprika yes. does, but sometimes I just need it there. <laughs> you just need a little color. You I just know? need a little color, you know, just put some paprika on it. So, so yes. <laughs> Um, speaking, what you just said is when, uh, when you said like, I caught myself, uh, this whole time of recognizing the bias that is in this industry. Um, I've talked about, it also deals with like a lot of unlearning on our part, unlearning, like the idea that we should sit, be quiet, that we should sit in the corner, that we shouldn't speak up. Um, especially being like a token in a show. How have you protected like your mental health? Um, and your sanity and how have you tried to create a space so that you feel comfortable in those spaces? I, and this is very hard. Um, being on stage and singing and doing musicals cannot love you back. As much as you mm-hmm. love it, it doesn't have the power to love you back. It doesn't have a heart. It doesn't have a soul. It doesn't, it can't love you back. Um, so I have become a better investor of my emotions so I invest it in things that I can get a return in. So mm. my, I sing and I dance. It's a thing I do. I act. It's a thing I do. Who I am, you know, I invest that in the people who are around me. Um, and, you know, there are certain um, values that I, that I invest myself into, you know, like um, this Black, Matter, Black Lives Matter movement, not just a moment, like it's always been true to me. So it's like, great, thank you. Someone put a name to the to the thing that I've always believed. Um, right. But um, I, I've met wonderful people and they've become friends and they've become family. But like, I don't love the show hair. Like I love a person. 
I don't love right. the show Book of Mormon or or Dear Evan Hansen or Motown. Like I like I love my friends and my family. So that's what gives me good balance because I understand the the hierarchy of where my emotional stuff should go. Mm. Um, my emotional stuff should go to the people in my life. I have a very black ass circle too. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's just it's imp- and it's important to me that I have that because first of all, I love the shorthand of being around people with that shared experience. Um, right. And second, it's, you know, I, I think that, um, especially in this business, there tends to be like one or two black roles and like a thing. And I don't like the feeling of every time I see a black person is com- is competition. Right. You know, there's, if you, if you, if you aren't careful, in New York and in this business, it's like every time you see someone who looks like you, it's because you're going head to head. And that's, mm. uh, and that's not how it should be. So I, I try to make sure that in my personal life, there's a whole bunch of, of, of um, opportunities for me to be around people who look like me and it's not competition. It's not head to head. It's just love. It's sharing. It's community. You know, so, you know, and that's something that I have also been kind of, um, uh, trying to foster and grow in my spirit and in my space is that like we need to start doing community and doing doing it much mm. better i mean and community is not just like let's get together and like you know look at each other but i mean like really do like i'm here for you i support you i love you if you need me if i need you like that sort of mm-hmm. thing yes yes how did you like build your tribe of people was it just like through shows was it like actively seeking them out it's a mixture of all of that um i i'm blessed that like you know i get to be in a career like we are in a career where you know we're always put in different rooms and you know you get to mm-hmm. meet people in that way and god i just i don't know if, how i would manage if i was you know working in an office where you know there was no ebb and flow of people um Mm -hmm. but you know but i do seek out you know the energy that i need you know i i go to where the people are (laughs) you know you gotta you gotta (laughs) go where the people are to get the people in your life and you know and that's you know that was something i you know it took me a while to learn that too i was like i feel like i'm not meeting anybody and they're like well honey you're at home that's well. that's why because the people are at your house <laughs> so um <laughs> so you you know I, I had i had to do that and you know there are a lot of actors especially who are surprisingly shy i'm not a shy person but i can kind of like get nervous in crowds because i want to mm-hmm. be liked so bad and then mm-hmm. once i shook that you know i kind of you know like some people don't like me some people are not gonna like me you might as well yeah. sh- might as well shoot your shot and okay. my best friend is like, I can always depend on you to shoot your shot. And I was like, am I that thirsty? He's like, no, 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 no not, not in a bad way. <laughs> not in a bad way. He's like, no, you, but you shoot your shot, you like have no fear of just being like, hey, it's me. And I was like, yeah. okay, well, that actually, that feels like a really wonderful, sweet compliment. He's like, it is a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. It's like, let me know. Don't have me out here looking like a thirst monster. <laughs> that's not cute. Oh my goodness. I mean, that's uh, not, not at cute. All. It's really not. And I don't know. I don't know how it happens, but I just think, 
especially for those of us who are, you know, used to the spotlight or, or that's what we crave. Like that's the career we chose. I mean, I chose a career where I get applause. So let's just, mm-hmm. let's start there. So right. I could have done anything. I'm smart enough to have done anything else, but I wanted the career where people applaud me when I, when I do my job well. Um, so I have to always check to make sure that it's not a, a feeling of like need, but always a just feeling of like want, you know, Oh, like this, yeah. this would be nice. I love, you know, having people around, but not like, I need it or, or I'm going to die, mm-hmm. you know, so <laughs> yeah, checking it every time, every time. Yes. Yes. You've played such a wide range of characters doing in a, like a wide range of scenarios, but you always like, there's always like that Michael Kilgore, like stamp on it. If that makes sense. Like, what is the Michael Kilgore stamp? It's a, it's a je ne sais, you know, it's like a, <laughs> I'm, and the people can't see that I'm doing so many hand motions. It's um, like all the, she's doing all the hand motions. She it's started like in, doing the butterfly and, <laughs> and she was doing the, you know, she was doing the like cabbage patch. It was incredible. There was like a worm. Um, it's like a energy. Um, at least, okay, let me not speak for the people. For me, um, every role, there's an energy that you create that when you open your mouth, there's like a feeling of warmth. There's a feeling of comfort there's a feeling of familiarity um but it's something that you only create that only michael kilgore creates and i just want to know like when you're looking at a new role no matter what it is no matter what it's for how do you approach it and how do you analyze it and think okay where do i fit into this how do i make this role fit to me oh i'm so glad you said that um because a, a new thing i tell students or if i'm doing any kind of talk, I like to feel like I'm going to the couturier whenever I get a piece. I want everything to fit like a dream. And, you know, mm-hmm. almost every time I've ever had to do something, I was buying off the rack. You know, you just, you know, you, you take picks them off the rack and it, and it basically fits. And, you know, mm-hmm. then what you do is you take it to your tailor and you say, okay, now let's make this really fit me. Um, so that's always my, my goal is to is to go into it and go, okay, how do I make this so that it is, it is exactly fit to my specifications? Um, it takes a lot of uh, homework time. You know, you just have to mm-hmm. study it and make sure you know it. Like there have been times where I look back on YouTube and I see certain things and I'm like hitting myself in the head because I'm like, you were less prepared than you should have been. And people are like, oh, it was great. But I know what mm-hmm. I wanted it to be. Um, so if you're not going to do the homework, then you, you're not going to get that ooh-ah-ah sensation as, um, right. what's, my, what's my drag queen's name that I love, Monique, um, Monique Hart, that ooh-ah-ah sensation. <laughs> like, I want that feeling. And, it, and yeah. it, takes a, it takes a certain level of, like, doing your homework. Um, and uh, I work with the director, um, Joe Calarco, who said this thing. He goes, we're not making art. What we're doing is making perfect craft. Like our goal is to, to is to take mm. the craft to the level that it is really perfect, so that when someone looks on, they go, "Oh, that looks like art." Mm. And I was like, "Well, that is a perfect way to to put it, so that it's it's less sedity and highfalutin, as old people would say, mm-hmm. and it's more about mm-hmm. like just really doing the work." Um, 
you know, I, I don't think that Audrey McDonald goes in to sing and she's like, I'm, I'm making art. I think she's like, I want to make sure that these pitches are right. I want to make sure that I'm focused. I'm in the moment and I'm, you know, and I'm, I'm awake as an, as mm. an, as an actor. Um, and, and we're looking on going, look at that art. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's yeah. What, <laughs> that's what we're doing. Like, wow. Um, so, so that, I think that, that's what, I, what I'm doing. I'm not sure if that's a really great answer, but I, think, <laughs> but I think everyone who gets up on stage, that's their goal is to just do it right. You know, and whatever yeah. right is in, in, your, in your mind, that's what it'll be. And then you get to a level of comfort in whatever that you're doing so that you're saying, I can open up this, this like lock box of, of myself and let this piece out because this mm-hmm. piece matches with the, with the, the art or the role and this works. So, so now I'm, I'm investing myself in that. Right. And I love your separation between craft and art, like, because then you're able to have like actionable items that prove that you like met, met your goal, you know, right, like, did, right, the, right. did I hit the notes? Did I come like hit the beats? Like, then you're not worried about, did it feel like I was creating like my greatest art piece, whatever, or it was just like, no, like, was I, did I do what I was supposed to do as this job? And did I like fulfill its requirements? Right. And that's how you can know if you're doing the work. Right. And I think that's what you do in the rehearsal room. That's what you do in mm-hmm. your own practice time, you know, so that when you're on stage, you're not going five, six, seven, eight, and one and two, like you're not doing that. Um, right. But you've spent enough time so that you were able to focus on the nuts and bolts. So now it's like, I get to live in this thing. Um, there is an actress named Morgan Rose who I went to college with. And I remember going, being so jealous of her cause she's such a beautiful dancer. And she was like, honey, I don't think about plies anymore. Like I was plieing, like I've been dancing since I was a little, little, little girl. So now I don't think like, oh, how do I do a plie? And she's like, when you sing, you don't think, oh, the half step, oh, the whole step. Like, mm-hmm. and I was like, I guess you're right. And she goes, it takes time and takes a lot of work right. to get to where we are in our, you know, particular spaces. And I was like, that makes perfect sense. So now like, that's kind of how I, I look at it is like, you know, there's a point where it becomes easy and it feels natural to do it. It feels really natural mm-hmm. to be Michael Kilgore because- I've been Michael Kilgore for so long you right. know, and I've like worked at it. So like there are things about me that just are naturally me. And I'm like, I don't even think about that anymore. I don't think mm-hmm. about having to do that. I don't think about having to, you know, say or do or be. Um, and I right. think as a, you know, in any role, that's kind of our goal is to have like done enough work and spend enough time so that by the time the audience sees it, it's not like, look at him trying to become, it's like, Oh, look at him being how nice. Mm-hmm. Mmm, I like that one a lot. Um, okay, Michael, if you could talk to yourself, like your younger self, or just like a young black boy, like entering this industry, what's something that you wish you would have known that you would tell them? Protect your joy. Protect it. And I say protect because it's proactive and it is about building a, um, building a, um, a fortress around your joy because Mm -hmm. it is very easy for um, people around you um, and situations around you to like try to rob you of that joyous thing that 
I feel like is so overabundant in your youth. Um, and then, you know, we spend most of our adulthood trying to like find Neverland again and, you know, get back to that place of like just happiness and joy. And like, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I would tell my younger self to just really be protective of it. I've been very blessed and I've been very lucky that I wasn't sucked dry of my joy. Um, mm-hmm. But for any other actor and, and even for myself, I could have had more. I could have been yeah. less focused on like, oh, am I skinny enough? Am I tall enough? Am I, am I too dark? Am I too black? Am I, am I black enough for the, for the people? Mm. Like, am I, um, and just been joyous about doing the work. And also like when successes happen, enjoying that, <laughs> like not going, okay, well, great. Achieve that. What's next? Like just kind of taking a break right. and just going, wow, I'm looking around and there were so many people who started this race with me and they're not here. And I, right. and I'm here. Wow. Who let me breathe that in and just, you know, and be joyous in the fact that I endured. Yes. Um, and take a, take a sip of water before I keep running because I don't want to peter out. Um, so, so there, there's that too. Um, my granddaddy used to say, enjoy your youth. And I was like, what a silly saying, but now, <laughs> but now I get it. It's like, it's, it's not a replenishing, um, resource once youth is mm. gone is gone and mm. and for for good and for bad because there's a lot about being young that ain't cute <laughs> there's a lot about being yes. young that is very cute um and you know i i really have an expectation now of young people to like really enjoy it be young be hungry be excited like thank god for the person who just got their equity card who gets in the room mm-hmm. and it's like hey guys in here you know, mm-hmm. also thank God for the person who's had their equity car for 40 years and is like, when's the smoke break? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like they yeah. both have a place in that space. Yeah. Yes. Ah, Michael, this is so amazing. <laughs> thank you so much for joining me. Before we head out, um, tell people a little bit about what you got going on right now. What's popping? Talk about Singer's Comprehension. Oh my goodness. Amazing. Thank you so much. Well, Singer's Comprehension is um, one of those little um, blessings that coronavirus gave us uh, where I um, meet with some of my favorite vocal artists and we talk about singing and the craft of storytelling through song as well as some of our favorite singers and lyrics that move us as well as the journey that we've taken from being just singers to artists. Um, mm. And I've had great people on, Cynthia Revo, um, Shoshana Bean, Billy Porter, Olita Adams, like just, you know, incredible vocalists who um, have been so generous with their stories of, of, you know, what it took to, to create some of the, the art that we love and just their thoughts yes. on like artistry. So that, that has been really wonderful. And also, you know, it's been just around a year that I released my debut album, A Man Born Black. Um, yes. and, uh, you know, it's funny cause like now it's like Grammy season and it feels like real because I opened billboard and I'm like, oh my God, I'm, I'm in there. Um, yeah, FYC campaign. Like, you know what I mean? So it's like, uh, I, I keep telling people 2020 is still our year, like mm-hmm. despite everything and because of everything, like we're not throwing right. away this whole year. I refuse to do that. There's still so much beauty to mine. 
And, mm. you know, and, and I hope that people have taken this time, this, this global pause as Roderick Covington, who is the owner of um, Core, Core Rhythm Fitness, mm-hmm. he calls it a global pause, which is like the perfect way to do it because we do need to take a time to just, to just pause for a second, really breathe and look inside. And, you know, I think that during this time, I really have gotten a chance to do it in a way that I may have had a chance to do it before, but this being forced to do it has been a huge right. blessing. It's been a huge, right. huge, huge blessing. So, so that's what's going on. Um, I did a, a live concert uh, on, on the internets called Michael Kilgore Live <laughs> on the internets. Um, so you can find <laughs> that on YouTube where I sang for my, for my debut album. Um, you know, things are, things are happening. I'm creating, I'm writing, I'm singing every day. I'm cooking yes. everything. Come you know, on. None of my jeans fit. You know what I mean? Just, just like, okay. and just enjoying it, enjoying myself. Yes. You know, the world will open up. It, you know, it has to, there's no other choice, but right. for this moment, I'm just learning how to mm. be satisfied with myself, you know, and I hope that everyone gets a chance to do it because now, as I said before, I'm, I'm a lot more clear about what I want to do and what I do not Mm -hmm. want to do. Ooh, Michael, thank you so much for joining me today. This was amazing. I know you spoke life into me. And so I know you're going to speak life into the people that are listening. I, I really appreciate that you said that. Thank you. Um, just thank you. Thank you for like what you do. Cause I think I was talking to somebody else about this. It's like, whether we like like it or not specifically artists of color they are serving as an inspiration to someone Mm -hmm. um who was told that they don't fit you know um and you are that for me and for so many other people that i know personally um so i just want to thank you because i'm all about giving people their flowers okay come on give Um, them their flowers while they're alive so we can smell okay you know that's that's what i want and you know and i will say before I leave, that to see you do this, this just really inspired me and it lifted me. And I feel very good about the future of musical theater. Um, I feel like in the hands of the people that I'm seeing working right now and people like you who are going, I have no fear in speaking the truth and, and, and expecting the best out of this experience. So I think that people are going to have to show up. Curriculums are going to have to change. And I see that happening already. I'm really excited for that. I think that, you know, it's a shame that there are so many great black artists who get relegated to like these really small spaces because their, their deans and their teachers and their, their department heads don't have the creativity and don't have the, um, the energy to go and research stuff that, that like puts them in a real world. Like, you know, we're learning every dialect on earth as actors and our white cast, you know, our white friends and, and classmates, you know, they don't have, they don't have to learn a Jamaican accent. They don't have to learn a Ugandan accent. They don't have to do right. any of that. And, you know, and we're, you know, we're, you know, taught the Queen's English and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so often we're only getting cast to be chambermaids and, um, you know, the third tree on the left because they don't they <laughs> yes because they're so they're so committed on to doing sound of music as their spring musical and i'm like right well hello um and all the musicals that we want to do we can't do because 
there's for some reason there's not enough of us there's not enough of us because you've you haven't courted us you know yeah like the mm, yes you know the, the the sports departments and all that they court us they want us there the business business schools court us they want us there why aren't our theater departments courting us they know yes. you know do they not believe that we're talented do they not believe that we'll work do they not believe that we'll bring prestige to the school? Because these are the answer. These are the questions I need answered because mm -hmm. if we're not being courted and you're courting every, you know, girl who sounds like, you know, early two thousands, Sutton Foster, you know, mm -hmm. I want to, I want to know why I really want right. to, I really, really do want to know why. Um, and, you know, I think that Broadway is, you know, giving us part of the answer to that because we see what they value. Um, and also I'm very, I'm very interested in seeing us go, well, do we need Broadway to validate the art that we do? Do we mm. need that? Are we okay right. with there being other spaces for us that celebrate and value us and, and uplift our art? And um, I think that there's, I think there's something really beautiful about us saying, you know what, maybe, um, I, I'll go where I'm, I'm more celebrated. Maybe I'll do that. Yeah. Maybe. Yes. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe I'll do that. And I just think that theater still will go on there. Honey, Broadway is a place, but it's not the only place where theater is happening. That's all. Okay. That's all. No offense, yes. no offense, no shade. I just want Broadway. <laughs> I want Broadway to understand that like, you know, as great as it is to be on Broadway and I've been there. So it is great. Um, you know, I, I would love to be in a place where I feel really celebrated, not just tolerated and not just, feel, mm. and I don't want to feel like an exotic bird for the rest of my life. You know, right. you know how exotic birds are just beautiful and they're incredible, but they live in a cage and you cover them up when you don't want them to make noise. You trot them out right. and let everybody come out and look at them and ooh and ah, and then you cover yes. them up and then you put them in the corner. And I'm like, that's not what I want to yes. do. I'm too special. We're too, we are too special for that. So, yes. So when you know, yes. yeah, when you know that it makes it, it makes a difference. It makes a huge difference. Yes. And I, I hope that we, I know we will see changes or either changes in the institutions that have been set up or we'll see changes in that new institutions will be created mm -hmm. to support people and either one I'm okay with. I'm down with either one. I'm down with either one. Um, and you know, I, what do they say? You know, you could never tear down the master's house with the master's tools, you know? Mm. And I'm like, I, I see that. I see that. It's like, we, you know, we have to use our tools to, to dismantle it. And, um, you know, I think that's okay. I think that's okay to dismantle something that doesn't really represent all of us. I think that, I think that those of us who are inside of it and we see that it doesn't represent us all. I think we want it dismantled. I think we want to change it so that we all get to be seen and celebrated and respected you know? right so that's my thought yeah. on that <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that was great wow um i'm gonna let you go because you know i'm sure life to live things to do great and i don't want to talk too much and get your get your podcast canceled so uh, <laughs> <laughs> they can't cancel nothing okay okay they don't run apple, <laughs> don't run apple. i hear that <laughs> Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for taking this time out of your day. It means so much to me. Um, and 
I'm sure that we're going to see something from you soon in the future. There's going to be a new singer's comprehension in a couple days. Yes. New singer's comprehension coming. The season's almost over. And like, I didn't tell anyone how long the season was going to be. So like, I think one day there's just not going to be one that comes on. And they're going to go, <laughs> what happened? Um, you can get all the comments on all the old ones. Like, so, um, a new where, episode? when is a new episode coming? Uh, yeah, so I'm, I, I think a, a break is going to be nice for, for people so they can have their Tuesdays and Thursdays back. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be back, you know, better than ever. You just listened to another episode of Fourth Wall, the podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. If you like this podcast, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Why not? Also, follow us on Instagram at this is fourth wall. And if you have any questions, ideas for new episodes, thoughts, or you want to submit a letter that we can read aloud on the show, send us an email at hello at fourthwallpod.com. That's fourthwallpodpod.com. Hope you guys have a great week and we'll see you next time. Bye.